the J Talk podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Hello and welcome to the J Talk podcast. Ben Maxwell and Johnny Nickel with you. And Johnny, and not too many goals to speak of over the weekend in J1, but some absolutely astonishing results. Uh, the J1 returned after the international break, and it was Chaos Energy J League at its absolute finest. Uh, absolutely, Ben. I think most leagues around the world, usually this time of the season, you're, you're writing teams off. But we just seem to be keep adding teams into the title race. It could be six or seven teams in it now. Loads of stuff going on at both ends of the table. We've got, we've got ACL to talk talk about. We've got you know, not, not so many goals, but plenty and plenty of talking points. I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting into it this week. Uh, how are you doing? I'm okay, thank you. Yes, um, yeah, national holiday on Monday in uh, Japan. Hopefully you managed to stay cool throughout the day Johnny but they are still very hot of course up and down the country although there was a bit of weather about on Friday night and uh, well yeah our two guests were both uh, I think weather impacted uh, by a bit of a storm that passed through uh, Kanto on Friday evening. Uh, first we'll be speaking to Stuart Woodward about Yokohama F Marinos and uh, later on Ralph Seidel will join us to chat about Urawa Red. Uh, so, uh, yes, in this uh, crazy league and at match day 27 was uh, just a, a, another crazy encapsulation of it uh, when uh, yet yeah, none of the top five teams at the start of the match day uh, won their particular games. And uh, yeah, there was a little bit of movement in the title race. So without any further ado, we'll welcome in uh, Stuart Woodward back to the podcast. Stuart, how are you? Oh, very well, thank you. Well, these days, <laughs> I think the last time you called me, I was uh, on my deathbed, uh, um, sick for about a month, but uh, I'm very fit now and uh, very good. Yeah, very glad to hear that, Stuart. And um, well, I wonder how genki you were when you walked out of a Mitsuzawa on Friday night because uh, you'd seen your side um, waste a chance to go top of uh, J1 in the live table with the Kobe not playing until Saturday night. You'd seen uh, visiting Tosu, who have absolutely nothing left to play for, um, waste a, a, a penalty with about 20 minutes left that uh, left the game at nil-nil. You saw Tosu take an 87th-minute lead, and then it was up to one of your substitutes, Kaina Yoshio, to equalise in the 90th minute. So when you left Mitsuzawa on on Friday night, were you feeling, um, well, this was a huge opportunity missed and uh, potentially um, could be one of the uh, the final nails in our coffin in the title race? Well, I wasn't really like I was. It was such an exciting match for, you know, for, for those reasons. And that um, uh, like I always feel like a little bit uh, the time slows down towards the end of the match. And, um, you know, was that really a last minute equaliser in, in these in these cases? So like the relief at the, the draw at just getting one saving at least one point in that in that match, you know, was uh, totally um, was top of my mind at, at, at that point. And uh, I, I was a little bit too merry that 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 night, too. So so I wouldn't, uh, um, you know, rate my uh, logical thinking very, very highly at that <laughs> point. But uh, <laughs> that's another story. But um, the uh, yes. And, and then I keenly, keenly watched the. Um, the, the Kobe match after that so um, um, it's very 
like exciting now but uh, the the gods have been with us in in a way that when we've when we've played badly quite often the the teams around us have also played badly at the same at the same time so uh, how long our luck will last if we keep playing like that I don't know well, yeah, that's it, isn't it, Johnny? I mean, F. Marino's supporters weren't to know what was going to happen, obviously, uh, well, to Urawa as well on Friday night where they uh, they drew at home as well. And, um, yeah, obviously what was to come on Saturday night, we, we knew, and you'd highlighted it from uh, quite a few weeks ago, how tough uh, Kobe's fixture list is in the remainder of this season. So, obviously, a trip to Hiroshima on Saturday night was, uh, yeah, it obviously shaped as a tricky game regardless. But, um, yeah, for F. Muddy knows, I mean, yeah, Stuart was was fine walking out of the ground. I'm sure there are some that were ruining a missed opportunity against Tosu. But, yes, at the end of the day, at the end of the weekend, F. Muddy knows' situation is actually rosier in the title race as uh, as it was uh, then at the start of, of match day 27. Yes, it's funny how, how that works. And it's also quite funny, like, games against Sagan Tosu, it's very difficult to judge if you've got a good result or not because... I've kind of had a go at them many times this season, but they tend to get outshot by opponents and naturally a lot of the statistics go against them. But they just have this knack of really causing the, the teams like at the top of the league a lot of problems. And, you know, it's interesting. They have the, the lowest kind of average shots per game in the league, according to, to my stats from, from Sportaria, like 9.4 shots per game. But they had 24 shots at home to Marinos and had 18 in this game away from home. So they, they obviously fancy it against, against Marinos and I know the coach Kawhi said something to the extent of um, that the game plan was executed uh, perfectly. I, I assume the game plan didn't have anything but penalties in it, so that was the only part of the game that, that really went wrong for them. Um, they, they've, you mentioned Reds, they went and beat, beat Reds 2-0 just after Reds were, were crowned um, ACL champions, so they, they definitely like to, to poop a party do, do Sagantosu. So, yeah, I guess, you know, I, I quite like Stuart's glass half-full attitude, so I'm quite happy to, to back him on that, given like that Marinos got the point and, and a lot of teams around them dropped points. And also, although Marinos themselves are not in, not in great form, um, I think, you know, Vissel was mentioned, they've got a lot of tough games coming up and Nagoya are really starting to, to fall away. And, you know, ACL coming up, J1 having to bounce out with that. There's, there's a lot of games for Marinos to play, Levan Cup as well. And, yeah, a lot of defenders injured. So it was, it was very interesting to see in, in this game, Stuart, that the, the back four of Marinos had out, I think, Sanito and Murakami. This was their first um, J1 start this season. Murakami was his first like J1 appearance uh, ever. And I think five of the 11 had started um, less than 10 games. So that this like really wasn't the team that, that's been playing all, all season. Uh, how do you feel that with that kind of lack of experience or lack of you know, cohesiveness? How, how did they do under those circumstances? Well, yeah, that's, that's a good question, really, because I, I don't think that Kevin has much of a choice right now. Mm. Like the the and, and this is coming at the, you know, as, as we said, the uh, ACL starting and uh, the, uh, the the league, the league with everything to play for. The, the squad is really now whittled, whittled down because we've got the three from three defenders like uh, Yuta Koike, Yuta Koike and uh, Hatanaka. Um, all out for six months, eight months, and eight months. Though so it looks like um, uh, Koike will come back after his uh, right kneecap fracture. Like he he was out for six months, so he's uh, aiming to come back at uh, start of October. But we won't we won't see um, 
Koike and uh, Hatonaka, who who were really, you know, doing doing very well. We won't see them, and even at the start of next season, they're probably out um, for you know the first quarter of next season as well. So um, I think Kevin really now he just has to put on who is fit. So and. And if there were more injuries in the defence, then I, I think um, you know we, we're really really struggling at that at that point. But um, yeah, I, like look, looking at the 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 last few matches, you know we've we've had a few a couple of dud, dud matches, and um, the supporters are really um, you know like not happy um, um, after those uh, losses, especially the Yokohama FC match. Um, so um, we're glad to get our goalkeeper back because he was out for an in, in, with an injury too. But uh, yeah, it's pretty tough. You know, I, I think it, as I say, whoever's fit will play. It's actually quite quite a good link, Stuart. Because I was I was actually wanted to ask you about the, the goalkeeper uh, Junichi Mori. It seemed like he was maybe a bit unsighted by I think the ball went to his Sanito's legs for for um, Tosu's goal. But obviously he he's on loan from from my side get Gamba this season. And a few people have asked me like, do, do you see him like with Kose Kani moving on? Is he going to go back to Gamba next season? Obviously Marinos were quite kind of blindsided by Takaoka leaving just on the, the kind of eve of the season. So like Ichimori and Ikura were really the only kind of players they could they could get. Uh, how do you think Ichimori has done? Like uh, first of all, and do do you think uh, looking ahead is he someone that you think Marinos will keep around, or will you will you maybe look for a kind of younger, more long term option? Well, I don't know. It's a good it's a good question again. Like like um, I. I'd forgotten that he he was on loan from Gamba, and I was just looking up some of the the team stats on uh, transfer market, and I saw the little icon um, there which said he was going. You know, he was on loan from from Gamba, which reminded me. And um, um, he's very definitely the number one keeper now. Like he was out for a few matches recently because he got a like a concussion, and um, so he 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 was out for quite a while. Like a, a two or three matches um and then Ikura came came back for that one so and what was a little bit funny was there was this big huge banner behind the goal which says like we want to win the league with um Hiroki Ikura which which goes back to a banner that was like we want to win the league with um Nakamura Shunsuke and that didn't work out so um like I thought oh no they put the they put the curse now on uh, Ikura and and uh, it it, that that curse came through, but I don't see anybody else on the horizon unless unless they you know pull somebody magic out of the the, the woodwork. I think Ikara only came back just to fill in because um, to have a like a uh, I would say a good but uh, an experienced um, second second keeper, and I think he's more like in line to retire and uh, join the coaching staff. Um, uh, I don't think Obi will step up. Uh, I think he's had um, chances, and um, obviously the club is not really you know, gambling on on him to be the one. So, unless somebody comes out, I wouldn't be surprised if um, Ichimori got an extension next year and uh, actually transferred. I wouldn't be surprised. And also, the um, the ACL continues into May. You know, if you if you make it through the rounds, so so like it it really kind of means you've got to have a stable team you know over a long a longer period now yep absolutely so you yeah, will come on to that Stuart I mean yeah the uh, the game on Friday night then it was um I guess it was notable for 
uh, Tosu's uh, Yuki Horigome doing the crossbar challenge in the first half. And yeah, obviously that uh, the late drama with each team is scoring in the last five minutes. But um, yeah, so you, you walked out of there fairly satisfied having snatched a, a late equaliser. So fair dues about that. Um, your ACL campaign begins on Tuesday night. So the same night that this uh, podcast will be released at home against uh, Incheon United of the K-League, and, uh, well, yeah, you've got a, a, a certain amount of fixture congestion as you're still in the uh, the Levain Cup, of course, as well, and you'll face Urawa over two legs uh, in uh, the semifinals of that competition. But, yeah, the, the ACL getting going, and um, how much of a, a focus do you think it will be for, for Kevin Muscat? As you say, the the competition, yeah, it's, it stretches over the, uh, I guess, what, yeah, we... Uh, traditionally referred to as the European season, it definitely runs into into deep into next year. So this is far from the business end of the competition. But I guess uh, Muscat will want to get off to a good start against uh, the, uh, the 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 K League outfit. And I mean, tellingly, maybe most importantly for the the remainder of the season and um, however long you're able to keep him around, Anderson Lopez is still with you. Um, Sam and I had uh, obviously discussed the, uh, the the strong rumours that were linking him with Saudi Arabia and what effect that would have on F Marinos for the remainder of the season and indeed for your ACL campaign. So uh, it must have been a huge shot in the arm for uh, all F Marino supporters to see the Saudi uh, transfer window close and to see Anderson Lopez still in your tricolor. Yeah, well, we were, we were all happy about that. Like, I think it was only the one... Uh translated article from from the Saudi press that that was saying that so I don't know how legitimate that was or whether there were actually talks like we didn't hear anything about that but Marinos have their own kind of journalist um, in the Yokohama Express who who has on one of these uh, paid paid websites and uh, pretty much anything that comes out of uh, his his uh, Kind of the journalistic output is is basically you know kind of the the club's official say on things and um, mm. you know like he's saying well Anderson Lopez is at the training ground today nothing changed so that seemed to be you know put the nails in the in the coffin of the, that that transfer but you know why why he didn't go or why you know he wouldn't if he had an opportunity to go I don't I don't know because probably that would have been you know, a huge uh, financial bonus for him, you know, whether he was persuaded um, to stay. But, like, he seems a very happy character and, uh, you know, very committed um, character, got his head up all the time. And, um, you know, I, th- I thought it was a little bit of a, how do you say, a little bit of a uh, um, uh, a hiccup when um, Marcos Jr. left because, you know, that's obviously one of his friends in the Brazilian group there, but... Um, you know, Elbert and uh, Eduardo are still still there with him, so so it didn't seem to um, you know affect affect him in any way. He seems to be you know, playing as like he did before. So yeah, very happy to see him there. Okay, so uh, well, how much research have have you done into the group then, Stuart? And what are your expectations for 
how uh, well, yeah, how smooth your progress might be into the uh, the knockout stages. Obviously, um, yeah, you're you're playing Incheon as I mentioned. There's also a, a team from the Chinese Super League, uh, Shandong Taishan, and then uh, Kaya FC, who I must admit to know uh, very little about. But are, are they from the Philippines? I believe. Um, so, um, yeah, you you'd obviously like your chances, I presume, of finishing in the top two in the group and making it through. Uh, to the knockouts, but um, yeah, this is a competition that F Marinos don't have a, a rich history in. So um, yeah, how how do you think the club are approaching it, and what what are their outlook? Do you think? Well, yeah, it's a bit uh, difficult to to fathom how they how they approach it. Like um, you know, if we'd have seen more uh, transfers in in the in the summer, and it would have been. Um, you know, a, a good sign, but, but uh, we we did we did pick up a very good player actually the the um, Korean player who has just joined us um, yeah Nam Tae yeah so so he very interesting player who, who who joined us like 32 years old from Korea so started off at Ulsan Youth then went to Reading under 18s then to France then to Qatar and uh, he's got drawers full of medals in Qatar and he looked great in uh, re- recently in his um, uh, you know, kind of debut uh, debut goal actually that he got the other day. So that was uh, really um, good. But in in terms of the the group in Incheon, they actually just got in through. Uh, I think it was Jonbuk won the cup, so so they got their 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 place. So they're they're not exactly the strongest uh, team in in Korea. So okay, that that would be that does us uh, well and. Um, yeah, maybe um, the uh, Shandong Taishan, who they finished second in the Chinese Super League last season, so they seem quite strong. And then uh, Kaya FC, you said for, they they were champions of the Philippines Football League. I don't think we, um, well, I don't think we rate Philippines uh, Football League very highly, but um, you know they they they're a good team i guess in in uh, if they if they won their own their own league so maybe out of the group incheon might be the weakest team so in in at least for the first match um which is like the only i think the only match being played in japan in the first uh, um section so i think we we probably have a, a better chance there especially like okay we won't we won't meet uh, teams like jumbuk and uh, um early on so um that's that's very good for for us but like i think kevin has said that uh, again you know it, the it this this season i don't i don't know where this comes from but it but this, the theme is growth which which means okay we we we're stuck with the players um we've got and they they've got to step up and grow into their 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 places and uh all all the squad players now every, every squad player is likely to to play in the, in the matches whether it's in the league matches or in the uh, the ACL matches so um it's really whoever whoever's fit and whoever whoever can will be the ones who are uh, making the difference or have to make the difference because there's nobody else who's going to come and save us from now I was just going to throw in that um, I think geographically the, the fact that you don't have an Australian team in your group is probably quite helpful. Like you're only going to China, South Korea, and Philippines, whereas like I think Kofu are away to they've got to go all the way down to Melbourne and play a game and then come back and play another league game. So I think that that should help 
And yeah, what, what you were saying about everyone being involved, I noticed, I think uh, Muscat said that Hijiri Kato, who came in from, from Vivar in Nagasaki, and I don't think he's played in, in J1 yet, but he, he's in line for a debut against, against Incheon. Who are actually my my first love in Asia. I, I lived in Incheon for a year from from 2010 to 2011, so that's the first team I kind of followed. And they're a team in blue and black stripes, and yeah, they've got, got Stefan Mugosha, the who was at VCL Kobe. He's there, and I think I, I agree with with what you said about they're the, the the weakest of the of the Korean teams. And then the Shandong, I think of the teams, the, the Chinese teams that are in the same group as Japanese teams. I think they're the strongest. They've got got Maruan Fellaini there. And yeah, Kaya as well. I don't, I can't say I know an awful lot, but the, the Philippines and uh, website I tried it had no no squad available, so I couldn't see any of their players. But I, I mean, from, from from my perspective, you'd have to say Mariners would be going for for top spot, probably against against Shandong. Um, is that what Mariners fans are are expecting, or how much pressure or expectation is there on Kevin Muscat and, and Mariners for this competition? Well, the the um kind of the ultra, ultra fans like put the ultimate pressure on on the on on the Kevin is or, or on the team like they have some banner it's like you know they expect to win all the cups and the league and all the derbies <laughs> like and it hasn't gone so well um so far with getting knocked out of um the emperor's cup in a kind of a like a terrible match and losing a derby you know in a similar score so um um yeah, so like Yokohama, this is like their, their sixth appearance in ACL, and, and but their best result is reaching round the round of 16 in 2020 and 2022. So really, like if if they reach the quarterfinals this time, that will be their highest ever place in the ACL. But you know, okay, we'd love we'd love to uh, go to the very top, and I uh, expect there'll be a, a Saudi team in contention. If, if you get to the very finals and uh, you might even see Ronaldo and Neymar on the pitch in, in that case. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, all the best for the uh, the competition getting going, uh, as we said, for F Marinos tomorrow night and uh, obviously the four uh, J-League clubs involved. Um, the, the fixtures, uh, well, they do come thick and fast, obviously, at this uh, late stage of the season, Stuart. And your next two league games are uh, away at Kashima, who have just gone third in the table this coming Sunday. And then um, a huge one, obviously, uh, the following Friday, the 29th of September, when you host Vissel Kobe. So, yeah, the next couple in the league are huge. So I guess the the team could be slightly excused for having their um, their minds elsewhere when Inchon come calling on Tuesday night. But, um, yeah, I'm sure Kevin Muscat will have his side as focused as they can be for, uh, yes, the 90 minutes against the Korean team before they shift their attention to Sunday and the trip to Kashima. So, um, yeah, it's been good to catch up with you, Stuart. We haven't had you on for a while. We've, um, yeah, I guess we've been waiting for this uh, business end of the season to come round and for the ACL to return. And, um, yeah, as I say, wishing F. Muddy knows the best for that and for the remainder of the uh, the top flight campaign. Hopefully we'll get to speak to you again before the end of the season as it reaches its uh, thrilling climax. But, uh, yeah, for now, thanks again for joining us. And, as I say, we'll catch up with you again soon, I hope. Yeah, thank you very much. And, uh, like, one last comment. I, I think the league will be decided by these next couple of matches Um for Marinos against uh, Kobe and 
Kashima. Like uh, two wins there will will put us in a good good stead to to carry on forward. But two losses would probably sink our chances. All right. Well, thanks again to Stuart Woodward uh, joining us next to chat about the defending ACL champions, uh, Urawa Reds, as they get set to launch another campaign in Asia uh, after, uh, yes, a, a draw on Friday night themselves in J1. It's a big welcome back to the pod to Ralph Seidel. Ralph, how are you? Hi, Ben. Hi, hi Johnny. Thanks for having me on. I'm fine. Thank you. Very good to speak to you again, Ralph. Especially as as we say with yeah with the ACL getting going again. I wanted to to get your thoughts on a, a new campaign on the continent for Reds. But um, I guess along similar lines to uh, my uh, initial question to Stuart at the start of part one, which obviously you uh, you weren't privy to to that conversation. But yeah, I asked Stuart how we felt walking out of Mitsuzawa on Friday night, having uh, well seen F Marino seemingly blow the chance to go top, obviously, in the live table. How did you feel leaving Saitama Stadium with a nil-nil draw against a Kyoto under your belt? Um, as it turned out, uh, and along similar lines to F. Marino's, your situation actually improved in the league with this draw as uh, nobody else around you, with the exception of Kashima, won, of course, and you actually rose a spot in the league table. But, um, yeah, walking out of the ground on Friday night, what was your uh, overriding emotion? Yeah, well, I definitely wasn't too happy about that. Um, quite frustrated, in, indeed. Um, we, yeah, we should have won the game. We had plenty of chances to to win it. Um, then there was also this penalty, which wasn't given. So there was plenty of of uh, issues that um, kind of uh, meant that we didn't didn't win the game. So I, I thought that we lost actually two points, and with that, actually, the the title race um, entirely. Um, turned out that uh, actually this one point was was still quite quite nice overall, given that only Marinos uh, and I think Kashima actually um, they um, got points. Everybody else was losing. So in that sense, it, it wasn't so bad actually after all. I only caught caught the highlights of the game, Ralph, but there was two incidents that stood out to me. I think it was in the first half, um, Gu, Gu Song Yun, the the um, Kyoto goalkeeper, kind of tangled a bit with with Sekine outside the box and. No foul was given, and then I think that the incident you're you're referring to or the uh, Fukuda tugging Linson's shirt. Um, I mean, I have to <laughs> I think if that was against my team, I'd be screaming at the referee for for a penalty. How how hard done by do you think Reds were with with both of those decisions? Do you think they should both have gone in your favour? How how did you feel about those? Um, well, there were actually plenty of of other talking points also. So there was an arm lash um, out to Koizumi, Koizumi early on. Um, then actually, what would you referring to this um, this doxo on on, on Sekine, That should have been a red card because he had absolutely no chance of getting to the ball at all. So mm-hmm. um, and and then there was just just shortly after that there was another um, actually um, potential doxo on on Kante. Um, and then, of course, the the Linsen PK, which definitely ha- um, would have been a PK. I think that's that's pretty clear. So um, yeah, we were we were quite frustrated, but um, somehow this season, um, I, I wrote actually on on on, on Twitter that um, somehow the the refereeing limbo actually continues. So so every um, next match, uh, I feel that there's a, yet another um, worst performance by the referees. So um, I was quite frustrated from that. Yeah. I don't think you're the only one feeling that way that this season was referees. 
Yeah, a uh, a number of um, well, I don't think they're even fifty fifty decisions, were they? Yeah, they were just decisions that didn't go in Rawa's favour, even though um, to the neutral it looked like they absolutely should have. And yeah, it's just beg- beggars belief at some of the um, some of the decisions across the league for the, the course of the season. The standard of refereeing has been um, very very sketchy. And yes, the VAR um, is is obviously in place to try and um, rectify some of these mistakes that are made with the naked eye, but then when nothing is done um, in in situations where there does appear to be a clear refereeing error, then your frustration is just magnified, Ralph. And I mean, uh, with the the Linson one, um, I mean, yeah, it looks like an absolute nailed on penalty. He's being pulled to the floor by the uh, the Kyoto defender. I mean, it's 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 one of those where I guess he gets the shot off, so the referee thinks that he's he's had his opportunity to to shoot the ball, but again, Linton's been too honest, isn't he, by actually staying on his feet where he has every every right to go down there. Um uh, and it shouldn't um, you know, that shouldn't override the fact that he's being fouled uh, while he is um, being honest enough to stay on his feet, so it's a, it's a really uh, a really head scratching one. I mean, it doesn't excuse the fact that he then had two chances within the the next five minutes and failed to hit the target with both. So um, you know, I understand the the butterfly flapping its wings uh, analogy, where neither of those chances would have come about if the the correct decision had been made in the first place and the, the penalty had been awarded, whether it was scored. Or not is another thing, but yeah, it's um, it's one of those. Uh, but uh, with uh, with Linson in particular, we we saw him um, yeah, score a couple of goals in the uh, the, the Levine Cup quarterfinals uh, during the international break, Ralph. So uh, I guess um, yeah, if we can try and put Friday night behind us, and I'm sure yeah, you, you're very happy to <laughs> very happy to do that. How uh, how important do you think Linson's going to be throughout the uh, the remainder of the season? With the, the league obviously still up for grabs, uh, the Levine Cup there to be won and um, yes your ACL campaign getting going on Wednesday night I'm, I'm not completely sure to be honest um, somehow our remaining problem throughout the season is, is actually still the finishing um, where we just whoever is, is playing up front um, somehow doesn't doesn't get the ball into the net for, for some reason and um, yeah, in that game, it was Linsen who had actually many chances uh, to score, Sekine, Kante also. So it's, it's essentially all of our offensive players who, who have sometimes uh, problems actually scoring. Um, but you're right that uh, at least in the, in the Levant Cup, Linsen and, and even Schalke actually were able to, to score again twice each. And uh, maybe there's still some hope that... Um, they can be a little bit more reliable in front of goal now. Your next league game is Gamba, so they have I know. no <laughs> against Gamba. So I, I think it doesn't doesn't matter who plays up in that game. But yeah, I wanted to to mention because obviously we, we said the Reds were were quite unfortunate against Kyoto, but they they have drawn nil nil seven times in the league this season, and you know, they've kept twelve clean sheets, but they've they failed to score eleven times. So it's it's very clear where where the strength of the team is that. That defence was quite strong under Rodriguez and then bringing in Hoybratten, that's really made it one of the, or if not, the, the best defence in the league. But I wanted to really focus a bit like uh, the, the midfield because you know, we didn't mention at the, the start of the episode the, the second game that Japan played against Turkey where 
he made a lot of changes after the Germany game and the opening goal was scored by, by someone I'm sure you, you have a lot of respect for and that's Atsuki Ito. And, you know, I, I, I have to apologise because I'm always advertising him to, to European clubs, but I'm sure it's something that the Red supporters are, are well aware of. So I wanted to know, first of all, like, how long do you think he, he will stay? Has he said, like, he really wants to stay at the club for a long time or is he interested in Europe? And also another player you, you mentioned um, in the preseason pod when we talked was, was Kaito Yasui. And I think neither Ben, myself or, or Sam, we, we haven't really had much hopes of him making the team. But you, you correctly said he'd be a, a kind of mainstay. And he's he's mainly played in that, that number 10 position. But like a lot of the attackers, he's looked good. But goal scoring and assist stats have not been, been too great. But, you know, against Gamba in the Levan Cup, he, he dropped in alongside Iwao, as he did against Kyoto. Um, is that maybe more kind of long-term position for him? So, long story short, Ito and, and Yasui, how are you feeling about them? So, first of all, uh, about Ito, um, of course, everybody was extremely happy about this first goal. And then basically until the Kyoto game, the, the whole uh, Urawa bubble was basically having this, this goal on repeat everywhere. Um, <laughs> so, everybody was celebrating it. But also many people realized that, of course, and scoring for the national team uh, makes it even more likely that um, he will be actually getting uh, bigger offers from Europe earlier. So um, there's there's also a little bit of um, yeah people um, being uneasy about that. But <laughs> yeah, we, we'll have to see. Um, as, as I said at the beginning of um, of the season, um, he's he's really growing. Uh, he grew up uh, in Urawa on um, behind the goal and so on. So um, I think. Um, We'll have to see how, how this season goes. Um, I fear that he might actually leave in, in already uh, the winter or maybe then at least in, in the next summer break. Mm -hmm. um, unless, unless um, well, I, I would say he, he'd probably leave if, if we win the league, but I think that's not very likely. If we don't win the league, maybe have a little bit more of a chance, but um, I'm not completely sure either. Uh, concerning Yasui, um, but he was actually at university, he was playing actually in, in the defensive midfielder role. So that's why I always expected him to actually stay in that role and um, be basically um, the eventual replacement for, for Iwao, since he's, of course, not the youngest anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I personally think he's actually better in this role than, than as, a, as a number 10. But um, we didn't really have too many players... Um, that could play in, in, in that um, more um, offensive midfielder role, especially in, in the summer. We had um, several weeks where, or, or months where, where Koizumi wasn't, wasn't um, uh, I don't know, fit or, or healthy. So, so he didn't play for a while. And, and at that time, he, um, yeah, so he basically always had to play in, in this number 10 role. I think um, eventually Yasui will, will play more actually in the defensive midfielder role, especially now that um, uh, Nakajima has come in, who mm -hmm. probably will, will take over number 10. And he showed, at least uh, before he got some, some lighter injury again, um, that he and Koizumi and uh, also Okubo and, and Sekine seem to be interacting rather well with each other. So, so that might be actually a good combination for the future. All right, so it does shape as an interesting 
ACL group as well. Uh, Ralph, obviously coming into the competition again as defending champions. Um, Reds have such a proud record uh, in Asia over the years. And um, yeah, I'm sure you're excited to see uh, another campaign uh, getting going, even though the timing is obviously a bit unusual as we approach the business end of the J1 season. But yes, we're obviously going to have to get used to that. But uh, yeah, with with a trip to Wuhan uh, coming up on Wednesday night, you also have uh, Hanoi from uh, Vietnam and uh, Pohang from South Korea in your group. So, um, yeah, what are your expectations and uh, how do you think Maciej Scorgia will uh, will juggle his uh, his team with, uh, obviously, yeah, a game against Gumba coming up on Sunday? And, yeah, obviously, uh, you would hope a, a um, qualification for next year's, uh, next season's ACL, hopefully secured through league position while you're still challenging for the title. So, um, yeah, plenty of uh, plates spinning for Scorcher at the moment. As we mentioned, the Levain Cup is still uh, of interest for you as well as you're into the semifinals of that. So, um, I don't know, is there uh, is there another diamond or two in the rough, do you think, uh, that Scorcher might be holding back for um, this fixture congestion or uh, a player that might be poised to make a breakthrough in the, in the next couple of months? Mm. Um, you've seen already um, in, in the, the last several games that um, he's been actually um, kind of mixing up um, halves, basically. Um, so especially when, when we had um, um, weekend, Wednesday weekend uh, games, um, like, like recently. Um, so, so there he would, would actually play... Um, yeah, for example, um, Koizumi for one half and, and then actually uh, go to Yasui in, in the number 10 role or so. Um, so I, I think we will see something similar um, there. Um, I probably also would expect that some of the strikers will actually um, be rotating. Maybe not, not necessarily for, for the Wuhan game, maybe also not against uh, Pohang, but um, definitely against Hanoi. Um, we've also seen in the Levan Cup that... Um, Still, um, Iwanami is, is actually still a pretty good option as, as a centre-back. So um, you can also rest then either Hoybraten or, or Scholz for, for one game and then bring Iwanami in. Mm. Uh, that seems to be working reasonably well. And I think um, he, he even had now both combinations since once um, Hoybraten actually um, uh, was suspended for his fourth yellow card in, in the league. And then I think in the Levan Cup, actually, um, Scholz was actually uh, being rested. So um, I think th- th- there are some some possibilities to 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 rate, rotate. I think that we, we talked about with, with Stuart how how his group was looking for for Marinos. I, I would say probably although Urawa in terms of like ACL showing they're probably the strongest Japanese team. I think their group is the toughest out of out of everyone's because Pohang are, are second in in the K League. And I think Wuhan, they're a pretty strong Chinese team. Hanoi, I don't know so much about. But, yeah, and also, like we said, with Stuart, it's, it's quite good for Reds that they don't have to travel too far. Like, there's no Australian games. But I, I would say, yeah, maybe same question as, as we asked Stuart. It, it seems from my perspective that Reds really should be challenging to, to win this this league. Is that, um, or this, this group, is that how the, the supporters see it, Ralph? Like, how much pressure, especially as defending champions, how much pressure is on Reds to, to win the group or, or to qualify comfortably and then, then go on further in the competition? 
I think they, they will definitely take it very seriously. Um, we always take the ACE here quite seriously, the supporters and the, 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 the team as well. So um, I think they, they will certainly try to, to play good games. But um, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I wouldn't call it the, the, the toughest group. I think Kawasaki has the worst of it. But um, I, I think, um, yeah, Pohang, the, the Korean teams are always pretty tough. And then we always have, have a difficult games against them. So um, if we can um, maybe win one and then draw the other, so that would be already great. Um, for Wuhan, I think nobody really knows what, what happens with the, the Chinese Super League. They seem mm -hmm. to be pretty decent and um, they seem relatively far up there as well this year. And from the squad, I don't really know too many of the players, but um, I, I wouldn't underestimate them either. Maybe Hanoi are uh, somewhat easier to, to play against, but yeah, I think you, you can never underestimate any team at this stage. All right then. So yeah, we uh, we obviously wish uh, Reds all the best for the start of a new continental campaign, Ralph. But uh, yeah, I mean the league is still there to be won, isn't it? And um, yeah, after this uh, crazy weekend where um, yeah you you left Saitama Stadium quite frustrated on Friday night, but at the end of the round you've actually seen your team improve their spot. Uh, in the table by uh, by one position, you moved back up to fourth after uh, other results went for you, and uh, yeah, six points behind the leaders Kobe with uh, with seven games left to play. So um, it is still very much uh, up for grabs, isn't it? And um, with uh, by far the best defence in the league, uh, you know you have a solid foundation to build on. So. That, that's just what it's been about for your side all season, hasn't it? It's been trying to get the ball into the net. You're, um, yeah, you're comfortably the lowest scorers. I mean, as Johnny mentioned, the, the stats earlier of the, uh, yeah, the title chasers. You, you have the lowest goals for and the lowest goals conceded column. So, um, I don't know. As we, I guess, as you look further ahead, we we know yes, the the games are coming thick and fast. But I'm sure for Macho Scorger, the 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 league games will carry a huge weight moving forward. So, um, have you felt when uh, Jose Conte really coming into his own, and uh, he might be the man to uh, to spur you to at least be in with a legitimate shot of uh, of winning. Uh, the the league he does appear to be your best option in terms of a a leading front man at the moment with uh, Shinzo Kuroki who obviously you relied on a lot at the start of the season um, being used a lot more sparingly now and yeah Linson and uh, Shaikh obviously not the most reliable in front of goal so Kante does appear to be the best option and I'm sure you've just got your fingers crossed that he hits a purple patch and um, yeah he might be the man to uh, to spear, uh, spearhead you to glory. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I mean, he's he's more of the the kind of target man, I would say, from from the forward. So sometimes I I think we we need a, a second um, forward um, as well to to help him out. Then basically, so he could could make up the balls and 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 then actually um, the other one could could shoot or so. Um, we've seen that sometimes that. Um, when he enters the box, then, then for example, Koizumi or some other player also goes in to, to at least be there for the rebound uh, also, or try to actually just, just um, pull one or two defenders away. So, um, yeah, I hope that somehow we can get the necessary goals to, to maybe have a chance in the end. 
And how do you see it, Johnny, from a neutral perspective? Obviously, you're, yeah, you'll have your black and blue glasses on uh, on uh, on Sunday when Gumba hosts Reds. But uh, after that game, um, f- uh, four of Uroa's final six are at home. Uh, they still have to face Kashima, who have uh, who have gone third in this uh, last uh, match day, and they still have to host Kobe in match day 32. So from a neutral perspective, and obviously yeah, keeping in mind that Ralph is our guest and we, we like having him around and we want to have him on uh, the <laughs> podcast again in the future, uh, how do you rate uh, Urawa's title chances, uh, in all honesty? I'd say that in terms of teams' fixtures to come, injuries, squad size... I definitely put them in that top three kind of bracket of, of favourites. That their fixtures are not that bad, as you say. Gamba Urawa is always a big game, but Gamba don't have much to play for. They're stuck in mid table. Then they're home to Yokohama FC, Kashiwa teams down the bottom. You see, yeah, but, don't don't game. underestimate those teams. <laughs> <laughs> in in comparison to to other teams, I think Urawa's fixtures are are not bad. But as we mentioned earlier, that they still have you know you've got ACL, you've got Levan Cup potentially semi-finals and a final. You even got you know, towards the end of the season with the FIFA Club World Cup. There's, there's loads and loads of games. If they can keep everyone fit and firing, that they do have a chance. They are gonna yeah they're gonna need to score more goals. They're gonna have to find a way somehow. There's been I think too many goals have come from either set plays or like shots from outside the box. If, if, as Ralph said, if, if Shoya Nakajima, if you can get him like fit, or I know you've brought in Abe, who's been injured for, for ages, but a real ace emerges, or even like young, I think Hayakawa, you promoted from the youth team. I think to see them as champions, it would need someone to come, like, it's not currently in there doing it. I think a, a kind of new face from somewhere in the squad to just add that extra bit of zest or, or guile to get Uroa into first place. But definitely a top three finish, I, I think, is on from, from my perspective. All right, and yeah, I mean, I don't know how you approach things in terms of jinxing or how confident you are on uh, on something like this, Ralph. But um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, you you can see that you're in with a le- legitimate chance, but I could understand your confidence level might not be super high. Yeah, from what the it's certainly a large enough sample size now, isn't it, to realise that Reds do have a problem in front of goal. So, yeah, you just have to cross your fingers that, as as Johnny says, you can find a new avenue to goal or, yes, the players that you've uh, you've got who have struggled to find the net so far this season can some somehow, uh, yeah, click into gear and uh, and fix this, uh, this problem that you've had uh, putting the ball in the net. But, um, yeah, it... I mean, as a as Tokyo and and Gumba supporters, we'd obviously bite your uh, we'd bite our hands off to uh, to be in the position you are with it with seven games to go. So you're in there with a legitimate chance. Um, and however confident you are or not, I mean, you you hopefully you can acknowledge that and yeah, just have your fingers crossed as we said earlier that um, that somebody can uh, yeah can light a fire and and start banging them in for you. Yeah, I really hope so. I mean, it's been really uh, kind of a bit of a roller coaster this season. So some sometimes I think oh, we might have a chance, and and then comes uh, comes a loss like we lost away at Cerezo, and then I thought now that's it, and and then uh, things go go better again, and then then there's a draw we didn't need, and then I thought okay now we're out of the race. So we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm still yeah fifty fifty on on how things are going. 
All right, then. Well, uh, yeah, as we said, we'll wish you all the best for the, uh, the the ACL getting going again for Reds on Wednesday night. And uh, yes, for the remainder of the league season, uh, it does appear that Reds will be in there for the duration. So just as we said with Stuart, yeah, we look forward to catching up with you again before the season reaches its climax, Ralph. So, uh, yeah, good luck for in, in the weeks ahead. And uh, yeah, we hope to catch up with you again soon. Thank you very much. Yeah, And I'm um, looking forward to that. All right, so thanks again to Ralph. Uh, we'll be back in a moment to round up the rest of the J1 Match Day 27 results. Welcome back, and yes, thanks again to Ralph. So, yes, uh, those are two of the three games from last Friday. Uh, rounded up in inverted commas, uh, Johnny. I guess we didn't spend a huge amount of time on them in uh, in our normal uh, detail because uh, yeah, we wanted to get our guests' thoughts uh, on their uh, what's uh, left to come for them, both in the ACL and in this, the seasons as a whole. But uh, yes, the I guess the big story, one of the big stories on a Saturday night was uh, leaders Kobe, who had seen both F Marinos and uh, Urawa. Uh, drop points in the title race and um, the, they themselves heading away to Hiroshima. Definitely a tricky fixture, no question, but with a uh, huge opportunity to properly put their stamp on this uh, title race and uh, yeah, indeed go four points clear with seven to play. But uh, yes, their best laid plans came unstuck at the Edeon Stadium as uh, Takaki Shichi and Mutsuki Kato scored first-half goals that uh, set Hiroshima on their way to a 2-0 home win. Yeah, this is great for Hiroshima and very disappointing for Vissel. You know, we, we've mentioned before they've got, got a lot of tough fixtures coming up. This is one of them. Hiroshima, you know, they're up to seventh place now. They're, they're eight points off the top. I have to say, Ben, I'm, I'm putting them back into the title race. I'm not mm. going to say that they're, they're going to going to win it, but I think like eight points with seven games to go is not the biggest issue. I think the fact they've got like six teams to climb over might might be the biggest issue. But yeah, I'm going on record and saying if if Midster stays fit, Hiroshima are in they're, they're back in. We've got seven teams uh, challenging it out for the top because I think this is this is quite a comfortable two 0 win over the over the current league leaders. Yeah, they look Mitsu in midfield there alongside Nodster who was back and then. Douglas Vieira didn't do an awful lot up front, but then Pieros, after being away with Cyprus, so he, he was back up front. Nakano get, gets the assist and gets the, I think what Brett called last week, the, the hockey assist. So he's looking good down there. And yeah, just since Mitsu's come back, everything is right in, in Hiroshima Worlds. And you know, to, they've got players back. Vissel, they've been losing players to injury. The Saito injury may have been the, the one that's really broke the camel's back. Um, Mm. They started in their regular system. They went to a back three later on, then reverted back. And I think Veche and um, Juan Mata, the two two new signings, they, they made their debuts. It was a bit too late to, to really do anything on, on Saturday, but whether they can maybe help going forward. I think Veche had a couple of decent touches and they had Osaki in the, the Saito role. And I think that's not really going to do with the, the fixtures they've got. He's a, he's a good uh, good squad player, Osaki. But he's not really someone you want starting regularly uh, against uh, other other top opponents. So, yeah, Kobe, that they're still they're still top, they're still in the place everyone else wants to be. But I, I think this is a bit of a wake up call for them, to be to be honest. Yeah, I well, yeah, we've just asked Ralph how uh, realistic Reds' title chances are, and I think we both think they're very very legitimate with uh, with them being six points behind with seven to play. So I can see where you're coming from with uh, Hiroshima being just a further 
two points back. Although I think with the goal difference situation, you can basically tack on an extra point, right? So if it's uh, if it's nine, they'll have to make up nine points rather than eight when it comes to, to goal difference against Kobe. Anyway, if if Kobe were to properly fall away altogether, then um, yes, the the situation isn't quite as dire for Hiroshima when it comes to goal difference uh, with uh, the other uh, contenders. And if they keep winning games by uh, by two goals to nil or by uh, by clear margins, then yes, that goal difference situation will uh, naturally take care of itself. But yes, for for everybody who had Hiroshima top or at the very, very sharp end of their J-Preds. Uh, we're just hoping this run isn't too little too late as uh, as Sanfrecce top the form table in the last five rounds. They're on, a, yes, a long unbeaten run. And, um, yeah, Saturday was another example of what they can do when they have their, their best personnel available at their disposal. And, again, as we've said throughout the year, they're another team that have been goal shy where if they had uh, found a more realistic uh, and more reliable I should have said uh, avenue to goal then yes they wouldn't find themselves seventh in the table they wouldn't find themselves in the situation they are in but um, yes having lost Sukasa Morishima to his uh, boyhood club Nagoya uh, Johnny they uh, they were able to welcome uh, Mutsuki Kato back from uh, from Cerezo, and uh, he's a player who came through the youth ranks, I believe, at Hiroshima. So uh, for him, it's a, it's a homecoming of sorts, and he has um, he's proven to be a, a decent um, addition to the squad so far. A a good header here from a Mitsuta cross to make it two nil, and um, yeah, I can see Kato growing in importance for Hiroshima towards the end of the year. Um, he was a player that I was expecting to make a real breakthrough at Cerezo. And um, in flashes, that obviously looked like it was a, a, a real possibility, but never quite eventuated. Um, could he be the long-term uh, avenue to goal that, uh, that Hiroshima have been craving while their foreign strikers have tended to be misfiring? It's a, it's a really good question because... Um I think the, the commentators were screaming about Mr. Crossing for Kato. It's two Hiroshima youth boys co combining. And, you know, he's been playing j just off the main striker, who, who in this game was Douglas Vieira. And, you know, I think at, at Cerezo, they usually put a 4-4-2, which I think was also what they did at, at, um, at Kanazawa when he was there. So I've only really seen him operate either as a, a lone striker or, or as part of a front two. So now playing off the main striker... I think he's got a bit to learn there, so we're probably not going to be able to see the best of him until next season. Because despite taking his goal well and, and getting into good position for, for chances, which are always getting created at Hiroshima, he was a bit responsible in a couple of counter-attacks. There was a lot of space to work with, and I think he took the wrong option. So I think maybe playing deeper is a bit of a challenge for him, but you know, getting him up front in attack definitely sounds like a good option. I, I do wonder a bit about you know the... The scouting, they spent a lot of money for, on on Pieros, who, who I think is, you know, he's an international striker for for I know for, for Cyprus, but um, I think he is a good striker, but he's not the type of striker that fits a Skibis system. I think you know, you talk about Jose Cante or Jabali, I think that kind of player is more the kind of player they should really have been spending money on for for the system. Um, Kato as well doesn't necessarily fill, fit that mold. Whether he can sort of convert to to what. You know what Skiba wants you know, the hard-working player to drag defenders out the way to let the likes of Midster going behind them remains to be seen. 
uh, you know, Hiroshima moving to the new stadium ne- next year is a big, big chance for for everyone. And you know, I'm sure that was one of the reasons behind Kato, Kato moving back to to one of his boyhood clubs. But yeah, like like you, I've got quite quite high hopes for him, and I, I think you know, I, I expect to see him improve in the coming months and also ne- next season and, and the year after even. I think. Yep. All right then. So obviously, goals haven't been as big a problem for for Kobe as they have been for Urawa, as we spoke with with uh, Ralph, and indeed Hiroshima this season. They have the the golden boot leader in uh, Yuya Osako. They have a Yoshinori Muto who has been uh, yes his. Uh, main provider and uh, obviously Koya Yuruki as well uh, started this game and he's uh, obviously uh, a good source of both goals and assists so um, was this just a bad night at the office for Kobe were there warning signs going off for you Johnny as this game wore on and and Kobe found chances really hard to uh, to create as um it's a, a really disappointing, uh, wasted opportunity, I guess, for for their supporters, and I'm sure it was keenly felt uh, behind the scenes at the club as well. That um, yeah, with uh, with so much on the line, they they really had a chance to to stamp their uh, their their uh, authority on this title race, and the fact that they were only able to muster up four shots to uh, Hiroshima's 19, according to the official J-League stats. And obviously, uh, Google will have those uh, hugely ballooned, I'm sure, <laughs> further in Hiroshima's favour. So, um, yeah, a, a really disappointing performance, especially coming out of the international break where they would have been um, raring to go, you would have thought. But uh, they were behind the eight ball inside the first 10 minutes. And, um, yeah, it, it just uh, didn't appear they were able to, to uh, scrape their way back into the game at all. Yeah, I think you can say like it was partly Vissel that didn't really step up, but also I think Hiroshima played very well and they didn't really give him a chance. As you say, that I think Hiroshima started the game in the front foot. A couple of chances that they took the, the goal very well. The two wing-backs combining, Shichi buried it. And then before Vissel knew it, they were 2-0 down. And I think it was very hard after that. You could see Osako and Muto kind of really willing them. But I think there was that weakness in midfield, like Sasaki didn't play and you had uh, young young Kawasaki in there with with uh, Osaki and Yamaguchi. I think that that was an area where they got a bit o- overrun. And yeah, it was interesting. Like I said, they, they switched the formation at halftime. They went to, to a back three, like a kind of three four three four three almost. And then then when Mata came on, it was almost like a four two three one. So yeah, Mata's an interesting one. As, as Sam said, um, it, it really kind of screams a Miki Tani signing. I think he's, he's a fantastic player. He's been a fantastic player. It seems like he's he'll be a good guy to have around the, the training field. I'm not sure this is really the time or moment to be fitting someone like that into a kind of new role in a system that's worked pretty well. Vecchi, on the other hand, I think, yeah, as I said, I think that that signing makes a lot of sense given that they don't really have anywhere else to look other than free agents. So if they can get him up and running quickly and get Sasaki back in there and have a kind of Vecchi, Yamaguchi, Sasaki uh, trio with, with the regulars up front, including with, with Jean Patrick, who, who missed this game, I'm not, not quite sure why. There is still an awful lot of talent, but. I think what we'll talk about later, there's a Kansai derby coming up with Cerezo next, and you've got Marinos and you've got Kashima. The, the big games just keep coming th- thick and fast, but luckily there's no ACL, but you know, they're going to have to start get, getting back in the road again, get, getting those wins, and, and hope this is not too much of a, of a heavy, heavy loss. 
Yes, indeed. So, um, yeah, shockwaves sent through uh, J, uh, J1 on uh, Saturday night at the Edeon Stadium with, uh, yes, Hiroshima roaring back into the title race. And, yes, Kobe wasting a chance to kick clear at the top of the table. So, yeah, the only team in the top six at the beginning of the match day to win in match day 27 were Kashima Antlers. And they had uh, a very eventful Saturday night themselves at home against Cerezo Osaka. Cerezo were, well, they were the hottest team in the league heading into Saturday night's game. They'd won three on the spin to work their way up to fourth in the table themselves. Uh, Antlers were sixth at kickoff, but um, yeah, by by hook or by crook, they got there. Johnny uh, Yuma Suzuki robbed a dawdling Hinata Kida in the 13th minute uh, with his first touch and a stroke past the Yang Han Bean with his second to make it 1-0. Then in the 25th minute, uh, a red card for Diego Pachuca was confirmed after a VAR check. And, well, Johnny, yeah, I have to be honest, the, the, the highlights I've seen from the, the Zone Japan account today simply showed the, uh, the incident one time from one angle, and then I saw the referee uh, return from the monitor and brandish the red card. So um, I'm not aware of the, the severity of this decision and how correct it was or not. So, um, yes, Pachuca sent off. It obviously left... Uh, Kashima behind the eight ball for the last 65, 70 minutes of this game. Uh, what were your thoughts on the incident? Well, I'll start on the positive, and there's very little positive. It, it wasn't deliberate, but Pituka was over the ball. His studs went into, I think it was Kida's leg. You could see his leg bend a bit. Luckily, he wasn't seriously injured, but it looked horrible on TV. Pituka had to know what the contact was like. It, and then he was acting like dumbfounded he'd been sent off. He must have known what was coming when the ref went over to the, the VAR box. And then I think a lot of the other, like, the Kashima players and coaches, they went off Pachuca's reaction. You know, I've seen, I think, Marinos, one of Kevin Muscat's assistants and one of uh, Kenta Hasegawa's assistants at Nagoya, they have like, the, the tablet there. So they, you see them checking incidents, like, oh, that was offside, we're not going to get that back. Kashima don't have that. And I think that fueled this sort of, We've been hard done to here when they, they hadn't been hard done to. It's a clear red card. Pachuca had to go. You know, um, Iwamasa, he, he probably should have went as well. I think the ref just didn't send him off to try and keep the peace. Suzuki naturally was involved. He sort of veered from chief peacemaker to chief agitator. Sekigawa, Pachuca, that they were all at it. I think it was a full five minutes it took. Um, Iwamasa got a yellow. One of his coaches got a red. I, I mean, I was sitting there with uh, after just finishing a day of teaching English, teaching some kids. If it was me, I think I would have had Suzuki and Iwamasa over at the VAR box, probably setting a like terrible precedent. But come on, look at this. Look, look me now and tell me that's not a red card. Mm. The fact they hadn't seen the incident, I think, fueled all this. Um, and then I, I, I only watched the first half of this game in, in full, but it was a very spiteful like, remaining kind of 20 minutes of the half. I think the Kashima players were, had a real go at Capishaba, who seemed to get a bit wound up, and Leo Ciara. They were obviously trying to buy a, a red card out of Cerezo. Right. Um, yeah, it was, wasn't really nice to see. It was very, very ugly. But, you know, um, such as Kashima, I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think there'll be any kind of punishment to, to speak, but they, they may have got a, a strongly worded fax in the, in the mail from, from the J League uh, this morning, I think. Yeah, um, Antlers at their uh, best slash worst, I think, uh, Johnny. They obviously have a. Uh, 
a, a well-earned reputation over the years of uh, of being um well yeah of of the pressure that they have uh, put on uh, on match officials and um they certainly know the dark arts in inverted commas and the the uh, a way to um to influence referees i think we can uh, we can safely say that so yes i think you're right the uh the, every single challenge that uh, that went in from a a Cerezo player especially those involving uh, capishaba once he was booked just before half time were uh, yes uh, with the uh, antlers players intent on on getting um him sent off or yes another uh, another uh, Cerezo player uh, hooked in, uh, I guess, uh, to to even things up. But uh, yeah, from what you've said, uh, Pachuca's challenge was uh, was a dreadful one. And yes, he had to go. And uh, as you say, yeah, Daiki Wamasa, the manager, was uh, was uh, yellow carded by the referee. And indeed, uh, Kashima's interpreter was uh, was sent off um, by uh, the time the half an hour of the match had ticked over as well. So yes, a uh, a fevered atmosphere. At um, at Kashima and well, I guess they uh, they had to dig in and they had to um, I guess summon the uh, the spirit and uh, the strength of um, some of their legendary teams over the years, Johnny, who have been so successful and uh, were able to stand up in the face of adversity. So um, I hope I haven't really overegged it there, but yeah, I mean they 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 had to stand tall for 65 minutes plus. To, to stay in the title race basically and hang on to this this lead that Suzuki had manufactured for them and um, I guess it's a, it's a mark of of, uh, of the club and of the squad and the the players that they've got that they were able to do that against as I said the team that were the the hottest in the division coming in and um, were able to 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 play against ten men for well over an hour but they weren't able to break this uh th- this Kashima side down and over the course of the season I think we've seen Antlers grow in in strength um uh, an Antlers team in the first few weeks of the season I don't think they would have had the backbone to to dig in and and, and get a result like this but um yeah they've uh, they've managed to do it and uh, in the wash up they've moved up uh, from third, uh, from sixth to third, as as we said, the only team in the the top six at kickoff to win in the match day. Yeah, this is a completely different team to the one that got absolutely dismantled five one at home by by VCL Kobe, which I think was their fourth loss in a row earlier in the season. But I think what may have also played into their hands was that they were winning one 0 at the time. And Cerezo, to be fair, a bit like Kashima themselves, are not really set up to be on the front foot, like away from home against a, a highly drilled defence. So, you know, Kashima, they were able to go into that kind of 4-4-1. They were able to play in the break. They had a couple of decent chances on, on the break. And they've got that good defence, like superbly marshalled by, by Ueda. And although I think there's a couple of chances if the ball had just fallen in the, the right way or someone had just stayed onside, Serizo might have had a chance to score. But this really wasn't their forte. I think we might say, you mentioned the dark hearts. I think Kashima might have rattled them a bit in the, in the first half with the, the kind of aggression and ferocity. And... You know, kind of t- tagging on to what, what you said, I, I don't know if, if this is this is necessarily fair, but you know, the, the outcome of this game and the way both sides kind of approached it may kind of tell you something about why Kashima have been so successful over the years at winning titles and why Serizo have not yet been able to win a, a title. I, I didn't like at all what Kashima were doing, but you know, the result is there for, for everyone to see. They've, they've been able to kind of bully Serizo to an extent and bully the officials to, to maybe an extent as well. And they've got the result that they wanted. You know, next week, big game against uh, Marinos coming off the, the, the ACL. 
the run-in for Kashima is not not that tough. And I know Sam put out a tweet saying he, he's not working in Japanese football again if a Daiki Ramasa side would win the league. But you'd have to say, you know, if, if they if they were to win win against Marinos and and say Kobe lose to Seriso, then uh, to quote Scott McIntyre, maybe it's, it's theirs theirs to lose. As as unpalatable as that might be for for a few few people, what, what do you think, Ben? Yeah, I mean, we, well, you can literally throw a blanket over uh, six. Uh, six teams, and yet yeah, you, you've added uh, Hiroshima to the mix tonight, Johnny. So yeah, I'm 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 not uh, uh, I'm not against you doing that either. So yeah, it's uh, it's going to come down to us, I think, overreacting to the, <laughs> to things on a <laughs> weekly basis. And while they've shown the the, the character that they've done on Saturday night, then yes, they are they are well and truly in the thick of things. And yeah, a, a win. Uh, against F Marinos on on Sunday, that could be the uh, the, the spur for uh, another glorious ending to the season for Kashima. So, an an unbeaten run of four games at the moment, and um, yeah, when they can, uh, when they've shown that they can do it in in situations like uh, like Saturday night, means that yeah, they're, they're never going to be out of uh, of a game. I think in the uh, the remainder of the season, and they'll be. Uh, Calling on the um, the ghosts of Zico, even though he's not dead, obviously, but yeah, and the the, uh, the ghosts of all their their former players who have uh, taken their sides to to so many trophies over the years, and they've been able to welcome one back, obviously, in the international break. Johnny uh, Gaku Shibasaki has uh, returned to the fold and indeed came on for the last 20 minutes uh, on uh, on Saturday night and uh, yeah was uh, well up for uh, a scrap and uh, get, getting right back into the thick of things in his uh, his number 20 kit so um, whether he could be the difference uh, coming back in where you look at a, a team like Kobe who have lost such an important midfield presence like um, like Mitsuki Saito uh, where Antlers are able to welcome back a player like Shibasaki to their engine room, uh, especially considering they'll now be without Pachuca who will be suspended. So, um, yeah, wondering whether he might turn out to be the, uh, the signing of the summer and whether he could... Um, play a huge role in spurring them to uh, to to final glory i don't know um whether you want to nail your colors to the mast and actually predict who you think is going to win with seven games left to, to go johnny but um yeah it's uh it's well yeah uh, as we both just said in the last few minutes the antlers are definitely in the thick of it yeah i think on on shibasaki yeah, it's, it's pretty much an open secret i think that pachuca is going at the, at the end of the year so i think the, the the eye is more on shibasaki being a main player again from next season but obviously with pachuca getting the red card and being being suspended that that puts him right in the firing line for for a start against marinos next week and then you know actually after after saying that about about marinos the marinos game i was looking at the fixtures and got fukuoka visel and urawa the next four the four games so I'll, I'll maybe push it back a bit. If if Kashima are still in strong contention after those four games, then they have a real, real chance because the last three fixtures don't look too too bad for a team that's challenging for the title. But yeah, they don't have any distractions outside of that. And yeah, they've got all the experience, that spine of the team with them. Um, you know, you've got Ueda, you've got Shoji can come on at the end, so cajoling from the sidelines as well. Shibasaki, Higuchi, Suzuki. Yeah, they're not the most likable bunch, but but they're very very effective, and it's a team I think built for this kind of like ugly scrappy nature, the squeaky bum time as I, as I called it the other week. Yeah, mm. you know this Kashima squad is not not built for free flowing beautiful like play out from the back football, but it might very well be the the team that's built for this like seven teams over seven games slog to the to the end 
Indeed. All right. So, yeah, things are looking rosier than in recent weeks. Yeah, definitely for Kashima and indeed Hiroshima as we welcome them back in to the title race, Johnny. But, um, yeah, not so much for Nagoya who have, um, yeah, I guess their their past few weeks have finally caught up with them and they finally slipped in the table. They've been third for so long, of course, but, uh, yes, they're now unbeaten. Sorry, they're now winless, not unbeaten. They're winless in Four league games after a uh, 1-0 away loss at uh, Fukuoka on Saturday night. And that has finally seen uh, yeah, Nagoya drop a couple of spots in the table down to fifth. Now, we should say they're level on points with both Kashima and Urawa. So their situation is, well, basically the same as those two teams. They're six points behind the leader's Kobe, although they do have, uh, they're now at a goal difference a disadvantage against uh, all of the teams above them. And uh, yes, they're in the same boat as Hiroshima with uh, just a plus eight goal difference after 27 games. But um, yeah, the the slide has, uh, well, it's finally begun after their results have uh, have turned sour in the last few weeks, Johnny. And um, while they were able to obviously make it through to the semi-finals of the Levain Cup, where they will, of course, face uh, Fukuoka. Yes, Kenta Hasegawa won't be uh, best pleased with uh, with this result and indeed this performance, um, although they certainly had their chances before uh, Fukuoka took a late lead through the substitute Wellington. Yeah, I think I've been looking back actually a bit a bit further with Nagoya and the slide started a, a bit earlier, even when Matthias was still there over the, the last 10 games. They've only taken 11 points, which doesn't need me to say that's that's nothing like title winning form. Mm. I, th- I think maybe one of the biggest issues is they have quite a small, like I think Alan was saying was it last week about some of these teams, it's almost the same 11 plays every week. And, you know, Hasegawa, he, he likes to play the same players as we both know. Week in, week out. He's only used a very small, like 12, 13, 14 players. And, you know, if you're relying on the same players to, to get the results every week, like Junker or, or Nagai Morishima, you're relying on too, too few players. It can't really rotate them out. And also, the you know, the, the second half of the season, it's the same players that played the, the first game. It's, it's a lot of the same players that were there last season as well with the same coach. So a lot of teams have, um, you know, they, they've, they've worked out Nagoya. They've worked out what they're going to do. And if you can shut down key players, you, you do have a chance of, of success against them. Fukuoka, you know, like, like Nagoya, they, they've got a very strong defence. You're able to create some chances against them, but not there's a kind of premium of really good chances. And, you know, Nagai, as I'm sure FC Tokyo fans know, it is prone to a miss. And I think that big miss one-on-one with, with Murakami, that was a, the, the big chance. Mm. And then, then unfortunately, the, the usually reliable Shinosuke Nakatani got, got turned a bit easily at Serizo the other week. He just badly misjudges, out uh, a character badly misjudges a, a cross, letting Wellington bury the header. And, you know, we'll, we'll be putting Fukuoka back into the title race soon. They're actually only 11 <laughs> points off off top spot. They're, they're in good form. So, yeah, well, why not? Just keep adding teams and adding teams. Absolutely. I'm pretty sure we can draw the line at Fukuoka. But while uh, Daniel Hawkins is in the country and enjoying himself, then, uh, yeah, why not? Um, Fukuoka, yeah, well, they've been absolutely terrific, um, especially in the last couple of months, of course. And, yes, they've uh, they've definitely earned the title, uh, the best of the rest. Well, they're, they're obviously looking uh, to, uh, to, to add a trophy 
to their uh, their cabinet and being involved in the semi-finals of both the Emperor's Cup and the the Levine Cup, they have an excellent chance um, of maybe even doing a double this year. Uh, yeah, I think the the league is going to be beyond them, but yeah, I uh, yeah I admire. The, the way they've gone about things, especially in the last couple of months. And, um, yeah, all credit to Fukuoka again. And, um, yeah, they'll be obviously bouncing into the next couple of league games before the uh, the Levain Cup semifinals are played against Nagoya over two legs in October. So, um, well, yeah, we're not – I don't think we're drawing a line under Nagoya in the title race. As we said, they're in the same – position mathematically as uh, as antlers and reds once you take out um goal difference and uh, yes they're better off than both Cerezo and hiroshima but yes definitely need a spark and need to turn results around very very sharpish all right so uh, we'll uh, now flip our attention to the uh, the foot of the table johnny where there were a couple of uh, huge results over the weekend the first of those was on saturday night at the Sapporo Dome, where the great entertainers of J1 uh, Sapporo hosted bottom club Seanan Belmare. Seanan in desperate need of a victory, and wouldn't you know it, they went and got one with a goal uh, just before half time from Taiyo Hiroka, a lovely finish from inside the D. Uh, Sapporo huffed and puffed for, well, pretty much the entire game, but for the remainder of the, uh, the, the game after Hiroka's goal, Johnny, but they were unable to find a way past Shonan's third goalkeeper, uh, Mawatari. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, musical chairs between the sticks for Shonan. But, um, yes, a, a priceless clean sheet for the uh, the Shonan boys. And they were able to return from the Great White North with a very, very precious three points. I think having watched Sapporo for, for many years, that them losing this game is no surprise. But perhaps what is the biggest surprise is that they didn't score against the, the, the only team with a worse defence than them. And as you say, we're playing the third choice goalkeeper, Mawatari, who, who now that's two, two in his career. He's played two, two J1 games and he's kept clean sheets in both games. Answers in the postcard who the other one was against. It's very easy for me to remember. But I think you know, we're not doing a player of the, the round this round, but he would have been my choice. I think Mawatari, just for... Six saves, he really kept them in the game, but they really, really needed to, to win this. It's only their, their second win since April. And obviously with the other game we're going to come on to, to talk about in a minute, it, it was a vital, vital result. Um, yeah, they, I think you mentioned the phrase by, by hook or by crook. That's the phrase I used for, for Shonan, that it wasn't the best looking win, win they've ever had. But you know that they got the win. Um, I think Ohashi's been a real fine, you know, how he's come into his own, especially since Machino's left that. That's really managed to keep them, like stop them from get, getting cut cut adrift. But you know, looking ahead, I think I mentioned the last time I was on that that round 33 fixture, Yokohama FC hosting Shonan Belmari. That 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 really really looks like it's going to be a do or die game, doesn't it? Yes, it does absolutely. Because uh, well, as we'll we'll come on to the next game, if the Yokohama FC are going to give away goals as they did <laughs> to to Kashiwa on uh, on Sunday night Johnny then yes it looks like the the relegation battle is going to go right down to the wire because uh yeah after uh, Kashiwa visiting Kashiwa of course third from bottom at kickoff when they visited second from bottom Yokohama FC uh, took a a lead just past the half hour through a Mateus Savio's penalty after his shot from distance hit to Keijiro Ogawa's 
Um, uh, then, um, yeah, five minutes later, Mal Hosoya was uh, the grateful beneficiary of um, just some absolutely horrendous play across the back line from Yokohama FC. And yes, if they're going to give away the ball this cheaply, if they're going to give away chances like this to uh, an opponent with so much to play for, then um, yeah, it's well, it, it, that one moment obviously doesn't encapsulate their entire season, but it, it does ring alarm bells, doesn't it, for um, what they're capable of in such a, a high-stakes situation because you just simply cannot afford to give away goals like that. Yeah, it kind of makes you, you wonder because uh, obviously Yokohama FC have had some attendance issues this year and looking at the, the game, that the stadium was absolutely jam-packed, big atmosphere, but big, you know, TIFOs from flag performances from both both sets of like, ultra supporters. Obviously, the, the players would have felt that. And, you know, anyone who's listened to this pod before knows my thoughts and, and penalties for non-deliberate handballs. So it was a bit disappointing to see that that given early, even if it was kind of evened out later on in the second half. But yeah, that, that second goal, Moraes, I think I talked to, to John Steele about him and I remember seeing him especially against Gamba. He, he looked like a really good proactive defender, but he definitely does have a mistake in him. And, you know, unfortunately, two, two mistakes, a bad touch and a worse pass. And you know, straight to Yuto Yamada, who's been, been an interesting one. They, they recalled him from, from Tochigi and he opened the scoring against Marinos um, the last game. And then he's got the assist here. So that's been a kind of inspired piece of business by Ihara. Yeah, great start from, from Kashiwa. Two goals up, but the big names, uh, Savio and, and Hosoya doing it. Um, I think you know, this game is the, the ultimate game of two halves. I think after, you know, they were 2-0 two, up in the first half. They only had one shot after that. And according to the stats I saw, Yokohama FC had no shots in the first half and 17 in the second. So, <laughs> yeah, I think if you're going to go on to say that things were a bit different after half time. They were. Well, they, I mean, they couldn't get much worse, as you've just outlined there, for, uh, for Yokohama FC. And, um, yeah, they. I'm sure they were given a, uh, a proper uh, going over by uh, Shuhei Yamoda at halftime. And, yeah, they were able to, um, well, they, they simply had to be better. And they were in terms of, um, yeah, stamping their authority on this uh, game in the second half. And they did get a, a breakthrough very, very late on through uh, Marcelo Rian uh, to set up a, a grandstand finish after uh, Hirotaka Mita's free kick was saved. Uh, Rian uh, bundled in the rebound with three minutes left, but uh, yeah, they were unable to fashion an equaliser and uh, Raysol's three points um, has taken them five points clear of, well, they've sorry, they've stayed five points clear of bottom club, Sean, and haven't they, uh, Johnny? Because Belmari won, of course, themselves on Saturday night. But tellingly, they're now also four points clear of, of Yokohama FC. So um, whether they're going to actually kick away and kick up the table in the last seven rounds uh, remains to be seen. But um, it does appear that uh, yeah, Yokohama FC and Shaunan might be left to battle out this one relegation spot, and it could come down to yes, that clash in match day 33, um, when uh, yeah they they square off at Mitsuzawa. So um, a huge one for Raysol. They they hung on and they dug in and they uh, yeah they made those two early first half goals stand up. But uh, yeah, for Yokohama FC. Um, a uh, well, yeah, just a, a really frustrating uh, first half, and they weren't able to work their way back, all the way back into the game, and and 
stature point, which would have kept it, I think, a three-horse race in the uh, the relegation dogfight. So, do you concur that Raceol? Uh, well, they're not. They're obviously not safe, and they're a long way from mathematically safe. But um, we've been waiting all year for them to, um, yeah, get away from this danger zone. Do you think it's finally, uh, finally, re- they're ready to do it now? Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier, and I think the best way to express it is in, in like a colour scheme. I think Yokohama FC and Shonan Belmari's the danger level is like a buzzing red light, whereas Kashiwa's light is, I think, a, a, a shade of orange. It's getting lighter by the week. You know, the 26 points, if we're saying like Niigata and Kyoto are, are perfectly safe on 30 points, I think getting over 30 points to so say they get, get two wins in the last seven games, throwing a couple of draws for, for good measure... I think they should be good to go. You know, they're unbeaten in the last six games, like three wins and uh, three draws. I think you mentioned about Shibasaki having the potential to be signing of the summer. I think in terms of instant impact, Inukai is just like replacing you know, that, that you know, um, touchdown at centre-back. Yeah. <laughs> he's, only played, he's only played six games and they haven't lost yet. So uh, that, that's, that's impact for you. I think that's exactly the signing that they needed. And you know, I mentioned that they're getting like bang for the buck up front now with Hosoya's on to 10 goals, Savio's doing it a bit more. There's a bit of stability at the back and they're still not, for me, they're not taking enough shots and goal. You seem to watch a Kashiwa game and if it was Sam Fretchy, they would have had about 25 shots, whereas Kashiwa have a lot of the ball in their opponent's box but don't actually take any shots. Maybe now that they're kind of edging away the, the kind of the brakes will come off, but yeah, I, I'm not going to, uh, don't worry, Casual supporters, I'm not going to jinx you, I'm not going to say you're definitely safe, but they are they are definitely edging away from that bottom two, and you know, if, if it was a betting man, I would say one of those two Kanagawa teams, Yokohama FC or Shonan, will, will be the, the team to occupy 18th spot at the end of the season. Yep, I think uh, we're in agreement there. All right, then. So uh, I think we're also in agreement, Johnny, that the uh, the, the final two games uh, the uh, from match day 27, the ones involving uh, our clubs, uh, were the uh, the only two on the slate that um, yeah meant absolutely nothing uh, in terms of um, uh, issues at either end of the J1 table, and um, for that reason that they've been left for last. And I think we can round them up. Uh, very, very promptly. Um, well, I'll go first because it was uh, our our game that started the match day on Friday night at Todoroki. FC Tokyo visited Kawasaki and uh, Marcinho scored the only goal of the game at nine minutes into the second half for the hosts. Kawasaki, a um, yeah, a good confidence boost for him and indeed for them as they head into ACL play. They also, uh, like F. Marinos, begin their group stage action on Tuesday night when they travel to Malaysia to face uh, JDT. Their group also includes uh, Ulsan of South Korea and uh, BG Patam of Thailand. So, um, yeah, Frontale winning the Tamagawa Classico on uh, on Friday night, to no one's surprise. And then on a Sunday night, your Gumbaro Osaka side rounded off the match day, Johnny, when you hosted Alberex Niigata, and that game finished 1-1. Yeah, so it kind of had an end-of-season feel to it in, in a good way. Um, there's end-to-end lots of shots, most of them for, for Gamba, but you kind of had the feeling there wasn't going to be too many goals. In the end, there was two goals and two, two very nice ones, Meshina with a... A really nice shot. I think he scored a he scored a really ugly goal against Kyoto last year, but every other goal he scored seems to come from outside the box. 
and then the substitute uh, Shunsuke Mito. He scored a, a really nice goal. And I will say I was I was in the stadium for this. I was a bit disappointed watching it on the on the highlights. It seems slower. That it didn't seem to capture the the sheer burst of energy that got him beyond the defender and. His composure to beat Higashiguchi was great. And the only thing I wanted to, to mention, really, other than that, was maybe a kind of pithy bit of uh, information because um, there's Mr. Kanagawa, um, who's the, the Gamba beat reporter for Sports Hochi, and Mr. Uchida is a uh, Kashima, and that they sometimes host a Twitter Spaces e- event where they, they, they share some some information. And um, Mr. Kanagawa said, you know, you know, Gamba have always had Alano and Jabali up front, and they've kind of been rotating whoever's been up, up front with them and they looked at Takuro Kaneko um, of Sapporo, apparently a, a Spanish winger, r- believed to maybe be Suso who used to play for, for Liverpool, mm. an Australian winger too and also the reason I mentioned this uh, Shunsuke Mito was someone that, that the Gamba front office were looking at whether any offer was made or anything I'm not sure but they eventually settled on, on Meshino but I, I thought that was quite quite an interesting kind of little duo that potentially vying for a spot next year or, or Mito with the is is very impressive cameo may, maybe having his, his eyes set on, on Europe, but yeah, ultimately the, this game doesn't really mean a, a whole lot. But you know, Gamba again more than twenty shots and drawing one one as they did both times with Tosu and, and against Yokohama FC, Pl- plenty to work on. But you know, like FC Tokyo, I think Gamba and, and Niigata season is run, and it's all just about building a bit of momentum going into next year. Indeed, indeed. So, uh, all right, we'll leave it there when it uh, comes to uh, to match day 27 then in the top flight. Obviously, a a, a very interesting one at uh, both ends of the table with the uh, Antlers and Reds moving up in the uh, in the top six. And indeed, uh, both Shonan and Kashua winning down at the, uh, the foot of the table. So uh, we'll look ahead then. To uh, to match day 28, which uh, takes place uh, this coming weekend, with the uh, six games on Saturday and uh, three on Sunday. So again, the uh, the J League is definitely looking after the ACL clubs. They were able to all play uh, at home on a Friday night uh, this past weekend, with uh, yeah games coming up on Tuesday or Wednesday this midweek. And then, uh, yes, they're they're all drawn. Well, they're all drawn away from home, but they're all playing on a Sunday afternoon or evening. So, uh, yeah, they get an extra day of rest than uh, the rest of the league as well. So, um, Johnny, uh, with uh, that in mind, yes, uh, where are you looking for uh, Johnny's pick of the weekend? Johnny's pick of the weekend. So I'm quite lucky this weekend because I believe, Ben, you might have had a three-day weekend last weekend. I usually work on a Saturday, and this Saturday is a national holiday in Japan, so I have a Saturday, Sunday, Monday off. So I'm looking forward to watching four games this, this weekend, including you know, get Gamba at home to Urawa. But that, that's not my pick of the weekend. If, if I can pick two teams, I've got on Saturday, there's the, the big Kansai derby we alluded to earlier, VCL Kobe hosting Cerezo Osaka. Obviously, as, as we've said, both those teams coming off uh, disappointing losses on the road. I think this game could have big implications. If Cerezo lose, I think we're going to maybe be putting a, an X through them in, in terms of looking at as a, a title contender. Vissel, if they were to lose, um, yeah, pa- panic stations perhaps. They've never been in this position before as a club. Mm. Yeah, a bit, big blow to come back from. If it's a draw, we'll, we'll review the complications or uh, like permutations of that uh, next time. So that, that's definitely my game of Saturday. Sunday then, I think the, the one that stands out is obviously Kashima hosting Marinos, which we, we touched on a bit with, with Stuart. But, you know, 
as I said, massive game. Two, two teams, I think, you know, second against third. If Kashima were to win, they'd still be a couple of points behind Marinos, but they, they really would be within within striking distance. Yeah, and as I said as well, couple that with with Kobe losing to Serizo and Kashima were really feeling good about themselves. But I know I've kind of cheated by choosing Johnny's games of the the round. But um, is there outside of those two kind of obvious ones? Is there another game you would you would pick, Ben? Uh, well, yeah, I certainly wouldn't be picking um, Tosu's annual uh, vi- victory on their uh, on their travels to the capital that's uh, that'll be played uh, on uh, on Saturday afternoon. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'll uh, I would take one of the other games on on Sunday then at four o'clock at the National Stadium. It seems to be the done thing these days, doesn't it, to uh, for everyone to get a home game at the National Stadium. So it's a Shonan's turn uh, when they host a Kawasaki for a, uh, a Kanagawa Derby. Uh, obviously, Frontali will be, uh, yeah, back from uh, Malaysia. Um, well, for them, they'll hopefully have a, a three points to their their name in their uh, in their ACL group. But, yeah, maybe a chance for, for Shonan to to catch um, Kawasaki in an unfamiliar position of um, of not having anything to play for in J1 at this, this late in the season. Uh, uncharted territory, basically, for Toru Oniki. Um, basically, every year since he's been at the club, they've had uh, a, a title race on their hands, or even the one year they finished fourth, I think they were still trying to, to get into the ACL late on in the season. Um, that didn't happen eventually, but um, yeah, they uh, they almost always obviously uh, contending at the sharp end of the table. So maybe a chance for Shaunan to build on this away win over Sapporo and um, yeah, maybe uh, shock Kawasaki again and uh, and, and maybe even uh, leapfrog Yokohama FC, de- uh, depending on what they do away at Niigata on uh, on Saturday lunchtime. So, yeah, plenty of interesting games uh, across J1 on on both days this weekend. And, uh, well, glad for you, Johnny, that you get that extra uh, extra day. So, uh, tremendous stuff and hope you enjoy your, uh, your long weekend. And, um, yeah, apologies for uh, not uh, going into too much detail about the, the national team and their tremendous uh, performance against Turkey in the second game of the international break but um yeah kind of yesterday's news by this point but uh, yeah another terrific performance by japan but uh, johnny yeah what a what a round it was and um yeah it, it's only going to get crazier i think in the uh, in the rundown to the end of this uh, this season with uh, well we've added another team to officially to the title race uh, in this uh, in this episode haven't we so it's now a race in seven with seven games to go and uh, well yeah we can't wait to see what uh, this weekend serves up can we yeah, this was fantastic stuff. It's so much to talk about, you know, the, the league, the, the ACL. We didn't even get round to that that fantastic Japan victory. And just like to, to shout out Kato Nakamura for his, his double, former Gamba Osaka player. Um, but yeah, next week again, going to be crazy. Those, those fixtures we just talked about, more ACL to talk about. There's always so much going on in, in J-League. And, you know, we might be able to throw Fukuoka in to, to make it a top eight next next week. Who knows? <laughs> Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right, then. So uh, we'll leave it there then. Um, yes, we've gone big this week with a couple of guests. So, uh, yeah, we hope you appreciate that, listeners. Uh, that's it for this week's episode of uh, the J Talk podcast. Uh, Johnny and I would like to thank Stuart and Ralph very much for their time uh, earlier on in this episode. We'd like to thank our patrons for their ongoing support on Patreon. And listeners, we'd like to thank you for listening wherever you are. We'll be back next week to round up J1 Match Day 28. Speak to you then. Bye for now.
The J Talk Podcast. Yes, 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 yes.